Yesterday afternoon, you, if you are signed in, uh, logged into Flocknote to get updates from the parish, you presumably got uh, a message that dinged and informed you that there was a sign-up sheet, and you were invited to sign up to spend an hour with our Lord. And it's the 40 hours devotion is what that is. And to reflect with you for a moment on that devotion, and really simply to encourage you to, to go back to that message or to go to our parish website or to go to one of the, the little signs of the doors with the QR codes that you can scan with your phones, and simply to, to make a point today to sign up for an hour to spend with our Lord. A bit of the history, although it's contained in the bulletin that we, uh, we have from last weekend and this weekend. But the 40 hours devotion begins really in earnest in, in the 16th century. But it's not as if the, uh, the thing came out of nowhere, nor is it that uh, Eucharistic devotion was lacking until then. Of course, it was, it was a progressive thing over time to arrive and, and continue to increase in the observance of this, this love for the Eucharist in various liturgical forms. In the early church, when there was no, uh, when there was no uh, buildings, because everything was underground and you were in, you were in, the, uh, in the, the, the catacombs, they didn't have tabernacles in the manner that we have them in church. And so whatever was consecrated was consumed or brought to those who were not present. On the other end of things, we have the fact that whenever, whenever the churches are, uh, whenever the, the state uh, begins to recognize the church, in Rome especially in the early times, we begin to see the buildings built that have a place for our Lord. They have a, a place where the tabernacle was reserved uh, to keep our Lord with us. And over the years, people begin to draw close to the tabernacle and to, to spend time there with the Lord. And then the Eucharistic miracles begin to happen in the ninth century, and especially in the 13th century and the 12th century, these uh, the several miracles that had taken place really kind of spur the church on and wanting to see these things, because a miracle is not to be done simply to be hidden from everyone's eyes. It's to be able to manifest and to encourage people in the faith. And so these miracles of the Eucharist begin to take place, and they are, they are exposed so that people can see it, so that people can, can come to understand the gift of the Eucharist and, and increase their faith in the Eucharist. They start to have processions with the Holy Eucharist around this time. The Feast of Corpus Christi is, is, is instituted, and we begin to see this Eucharistic life begin to be not simply a, a, an individual thing, as one would draw near uh, to pray with our Lord in the church, but it begins to take even a more public form, and to be able to be a, a source of consolation, to be able to, to, to go forth and to have our Lord as an instrument of of change in the world, changing our hearts first and foremost, but then also the world around us. We have only to think of St. Clair of Assisi, who, whenever seeing her city being, uh, you know, being the, seeing the monastery rather, being attacked and sieged uh, by Muslim forces, she went forth and, and went to the tabernacle and grabbed our Lord and brought him to the front uh, to hold him up so that our Lord would be their defender, and they were saved. So this devotion, this understanding of the power of the Eucharist really begins to evolve in this time. And so people begin naturally, whenever there is some urgent need, to turn to the Lord, 
to turn to him specifically in his Eucharistic presence. And this is where we see the 40 hours come to its fruition and its part in the life of the church. Like I said, it was in the 16th century. And so it was during this time where in many places there was, uh, there were, you know, of course, there were, there were wars, there were famines, there were plagues. But in the church, there was the, the Protestant revolt. So many people rejecting the faith and renouncing it entirely, challenging so many things. And, and many, many people were being pulled away from the true church. And so God raised up people who desired to pray, to spend time before the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, and to preserve the faith, and to preserve the people of God in the goodness of the Lord, as well as to protect their cities in some places. And so we start to see this in one particular place. It was 40 hours consecutively, a sort of mini-Lent, 40 being a significant number, scripturally speaking. And so it was a little mini-Lent, 40 hours to spend with our Lord where he was exposed on the altar for those 40 consecutive hours, and people would keep company with him. To this also, there were other, other kind of uh, manners of this happening, where it was actually spread over, over a city or over a diocese, where one, one parish would have the 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock slot, say, and the next parish knew that they had the 9 to 10, and the next one knew that they had the 10 to 11. And so there would be people adoring the Lord in individual churches, but praying for the entire diocese for this particular intention uh, in a continuous manner. And so this is kind of really just an emphasis upon uh, continuously spending time with our Lord, which of course then ultimately leads to what we experience in, in many places today, the practice of perpetual adoration chapels, where our Lord is truly kept company 24 hours a day, seven days a week, continuously to implore Him, to, to have Him with us, uh, to be able to adore Him and to worship. And so it's this, this emphasis that Mother Church has really begun to, to place upon us, particularly through the 40 hours, the 40 hours of Eucharistic exposition and adoration is particularly for a time of need. Perpetual adoration is a good and holy thing, and it's a necessary thing, but it is also a, a fruitful thing to have a, a particular intention for a singular time for the people of God to gather and to pray. And you know, the bishops of the United States have been talking about this Eucharistic revival, and it's, it's time. There's an urgent need that people do not recognize Jesus Christ in the Eucharist so much these days. We've all heard the numbers, and I dare, I, I dare reference them because they even, they're probably even lower than what I last heard, because faith begins to dwindle. So many being pulled away in our culture and caught up in the things of the world and lost in the gift of faith. It is an urgent time for us to renew faith, to revive faith, to bring new life to our faith, especially in the Holy Eucharist. And the means by which we do so is spending time in the presence of the Holy Eucharist. You know, from time to time, we'll get, um, we'll get flyers in the mail. Uh, I, I know we do at the church. I'm not sure if you do at home. But we'll get uh, the ones for, you know, these communities that are supporting the poor. And, and they show individuals. And sometimes we'll see it on TV as well. You know, these you know, individuals in, in this country or another uh, where, where starvation is happening. And they'll show the, these little children, uh, or even sometimes adults, uh, who are just, you know, 
skin and bones, literally, that you can, you can count their ribs, you can see them clearly, and then, you know, there's almost nothing to them. They're so emaciated in the flesh. And they do this as, a, as, as an imploring us to, 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 to support them, to, to be able to provide food, to provide nourishment, to provide, you know, the, the, the human necessities, the basic necessities of, of our human sustenance. And while we do that, if we could see with spiritual eyes, I would suggest that, that our country is full of such citizens who are, who are emaciated spiritually, that if we could see souls like the Lord sees souls, so many are absolute skin and bones, right on the, right on the edge of death, if not almost already dead, because of a lack of faith because they have not experienced the goodness of Jesus Christ, because they have not come to believe, even if Catholic, they have not come to believe in the gift of the nourishment for eternal life that the Holy Eucharist is. They don't recognize the power that's present in the Eucharist, the grace, the peace, the goodness. It is for us to come and to adore our Lord for ourselves to increase in our spiritual weight, so to speak, but also to encourage and exhort the Lord to do the same for others, that he might pour down abundant graces to renew and to revive our church, because this is the call of Jesus. Again, whenever miracles of the Eucharist take place, it is to encourage people in the faith. We are to be a city set on a hill we're not, uh, you know, that we're meant to be seen. Not that we do things to be seen, but by simply living our Christian faith, living our Catholic faith, the world changes. If we but live the faith, God does the rest. And it's for, for us to especially come to, a, to spend time with our Lord to allow this to happen. Whenever we want fire, Whenever a fire begins to die down a bit, you throw another log on it. You don't set it next to the fireplace and then just hope it catches. You place it there in close, close proximity. And so much the same with us with the Eucharistic heart of Jesus. We come to the heart of Jesus that is aflame with love for us, and we draw intimately close to him in adoration. And we allow him to set our hearts on fire with love once more to increase the flame, to allow us to, 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 to blaze brightly for his glory, and to allow others to experience the warmth of the heart of Jesus simply by our closeness to them as well. And so it is for us to spend time in the presence of the Lord, just as countless brothers and sisters in Christ have done so throughout the centuries. And again, we have great need. It is not for us uh, to be comfortable where we are, we're tremendously blessed here at St. Agnes. I think you all realize that. We have beautiful music, a beautiful church, we have beautiful, you know, well-trained ministers uh, that minister to the good Lord. We have reverence with the altar rails, you know, the, the, the communion patterns, uh, the, just the, the reverence of, of yourselves and our own community. There is much that is good and praiseworthy here. But we not, must not settle for it and to think that that's sufficient. There is always more love that can be increased within our hearts. There is always more of ourselves that we can give to Christ if we have not given him everything already. And it's for us to continue to grow in our love for our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. 
And so my invitation, my exhortation, my recommendation, or whatever kind of Asian you would like to add uh, with your thoughts, is I would love, absolutely love, as pastor of St. Agnes, to see every parishioner spend an hour with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist at some point during the 40 hours. I would love to see every one of you, and feel feel free to bring a friend to spend time with Jesus Christ. In the eyes of the world, it is wasted time because it's not useful, it's not productive. We're not building something, we're not doing something active, we're, we're simply resting with the Lord. But if we remember in the story of Martha and Mary, Martha was busy about many things, but Mary chose the better part to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him, simply to be with him, to stay with him. In the last hours of our Lord's life, that was the one thing he desired from his apostles. Stay here, keep watch with me. And while they stayed, they slept. And in the end, they abandoned him, minus John. But it was his one desire, stay with me. And it's his one desire still for every one of us to stay with him, to keep watch with him, to rest with him, to adore him, to honor him. Whatever it is that we do during that time, the thing that is most important for us is simply to be in the presence of the Lord. If we're outside, it doesn't matter if we're cutting grass, if we're working in the yard, if we're sun tanning, if we're at a baseball game or, or just doing any else, anything otherwise, if you're out in the sun, it changes you, right? If you're out too long without protection, you get burned. It doesn't matter what action is taking place. The sun has its effect. And so much the same with us when we come here. When we come to spend time in the presence of the Lord Jesus, whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's we're reading a spiritual book, whether it's we're praying the rosary, whether it's we're simply sitting in, in silent prayer, whether we're you know, praying with the scriptures or you know, offering the stations of the cross or whatever it is that we might do, if we do it here in his presence, there is power. And so that's my invitation, is to come waste time with Christ. There'll be a lot of things that will be going on, the full list of the of the activities, uh, the prayers and things, uh, and confession times that will be available will be in next weekend's bulletin. But again, I would encourage you and call you simply to, to come rest with Him. And so, that's the call. We ask the grace of the Lord to, to inspire us today by this Holy Mass to draw close to Him once more, to increase our love for Him here and now, to convict us and to draw us close to himself as magnet, to, to incline us to himself, especially for the 40 hours, especially for that devotion that we will offer in our parish for continued revival of belief in and love for Jesus Christ in the Eucharist to the glory of God the Father.